Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. We are going to uh, continue in our Unashamed series. We're now in chapter two of Romans. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to chapter two. Uh, You should have pre-read verses 1 through 16. Uh, If you didn't, probably because you didn't get a text from the church the other day. So fill out one of those information cards, put your phone number on there, and we'll make sure that you get uh, included in next week's text as a reminder as to what's going on. All right, so the name of the series is Unashamed. We get that from our theme verse. So you're going to, I know you've been standing a while, but why don't you stand with me because we're going to read our theme verse. Verses together, 16 and 17. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. All right, here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, The righteous will live by faith. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Written by Paul to the church in Rome, 57 AD. He's on his third and final missionary journey. He's about to head off to Rome, where he will eventually be uh, decapitated. His head will be cut off by Nero, and Peter will be crucified upside down. And so he's writing this gospel in preparation of his arrival there, making sure that they understand the gospel um, upon his arrival. So last week was uh, the wrath of God. If you weren't here for that and you're listening to this, you should probably get last week's podcast and listen to that before you jump into the first frying pan, then the fire. Isn't that how that goes? All right. So uh, if you pre-read, you know where we're headed. Paul is about to get very, very personal with us. And um, you're going to see that in Romans verse number one. Watch this. I think if you take the time to underline the word you in these first three verses, you'll get the point that now he's turning the tables on us. He says, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are in fact condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment, you're doing the very same things that you're judging other people for. Now that we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth and other righteousness, he's good, he's holy, and everything he does is perfect. So what he's about to do is perfectly truthful. So verse three, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you, I'm gonna insert the word honestly, do you honestly think you will escape God's judgments. All right, so let's turn the tables. Let's take a look at this this chart we've got here. Boom, chart, there it is. How about that? Pretty cool, huh? All right, so we've been talking about, remember last week, the unrighteous, the wicked, the greedy, the evil, murderers, the gossips, the slanders, the haters of God, and everybody, oh, that's right, pastor, preach it, brother. Preach it, brother. Preach it. All right. Well, well, let's, let's see what happens now. Oh, wait a second. 
The tables are being turned on us. He's talking about us, our unrighteousness, our wickedness. You, you, he's saying. Me too, I'm included. But he's saying you. So if in last week you were going, oh yeah, that's them, those dirty, no good sinners, Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. And you have to remember that when Paul wrote this, there weren't chapter markings, right? He didn't say, okay, now chapter two. So it's just a letter and he's writing. And wait, 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 you think you're so hotsy-totsy. You think you're all holier than thou? Wait a second. You are unrighteous. You are wicked. You are greedy. You are evil. You murderers, gossip, slanders, haters of God, and you. Kind of puts us right on the hot seat this morning, reminding us all that we are guilty. You're guilty. Yes, I know the gospel. Yes, I know the blood of Jesus. But we have to start here. We have to start at this place. Or there is no good news. If you don't, there's no good news without bad news. The bad news is you are a sinner. You are all of those things. Well, not me. I'm, I, well, if you broke one, you broke them all. So unless you come to the place of being a wretch in your mind, in your body, in your behavior, in your thoughts, gosh, that's where it really gets down to it, isn't it? Because I can certainly act holy. I can look holy. I can sometimes talk holy, but if I open up the little, you know, I'm thinking of the little door on the side of Tom and Jerry's head, you know, where they open that up in the cartoon and the little Tweety Bird or whatever, you know, that little bird door, and you looked inside, I'll talk about myself, and you looked inside, I don't know that you'd be super thrilled with everything you saw that I think sometimes. <gasps> this is where we have to go to in order to understand the gravity and the greatness of what is called the good news. Because it's really awesome, awesome news if you realize how broken and disgusting you are. We are guilty. It's a universal problem. It's, it's, it's the hum in the universe. It doesn't discriminate. You know what white noise is? White noise is that that isn't in total, absolute quiet. Like right now, if we were all to be quiet, oh, we'd hear a projector, we'd hear a light, we'd hear the, we'd hear the um, air conditioning, maybe. We'd, hear some, we'd even hear ourselves breathing. But there is a noise, there is a hum in the universe that reminds us that we're guilty. Well, this chapter, this first part of this chapter is for us. The holier than thou. Well, you're not holier than thou. If you think you're not holier than thou, you are. <laughs> holier than thou. We are all under this very same impending wrath that we talked about last week. So we can wag our finger at that sinner and that sin, but he's reminded it's us the self-righteous moralist. We're just as guilty as the idolater. So let's keep reading. That was verse three, one through three. You, 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 you. You're not gonna get off on this, all right? So we keep reading, verse four. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, comma, forbearance? Forbearance is uh, like his tolerance, his, his self-restraint. 
Because if God didn't restrain himself, think of this, it's so, so weird. If God didn't restrain himself, we'd just all be zapped like a, like a June bug in that bug zapper in the backyard, right? And the patience, not realizing that God's kindness, his goodness is actually intended to lead you to repentance. The very reason that you got up this morning and you had breath in your lungs is because of the goodness of God. I think everyone should get saved because of the goodness of God, because it says right here, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. That's the good news. But if you think you're already good, then this good news is nothing to you. You're self-righteous. So keep reading, verse five. But because of your... mm, Paul has such subtle subtleties in his language, doesn't he? But because of your stubbornness and your what? Un, we talked about unrepentant. This is when Jesus came, he came preaching, repent for the kingdom. He didn't come preaching, come forward, pray a prayer, pay your tithes, sing a song. He said, no, stop that nasty stuff and start doing righteous things. Because you're going to get judged. Salvation is by grace. Judgment is by works. This is a theological point you need to write down somewhere in your, in your vocabulary. And that salvation is by grace, but judgment is based on works. We'll talk about that more. So we all, we all respond to sin in primarily one of two ways. Let's look at the next chart. So, there's sin introduced in your life and you, you're cognizant of the fact, oh no, I am not measuring up. I, my life is missing the mark. I'm not doing the right thing. I may be doing what's right in my own eyes, but according to the canon, the ruler, I can do, anybody remember this from last week? I thought I'd still leave this around. If you weren't here last week, you have all the freedom, all the grace that God gives you. That's this vertical piece of this T-square. But to keep things square, there has to be something that's perpendicular, and that's the justice of God, right? And we'll just stick that right there as a visual reminder to all of us. So you see this. You get convicted, then you repent, and then there's that loving kindness of God. But in your stubbornness, these are the words, in your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you are storing up for yourself the wrath. I'm not making it up. I'm just trying to tell you in advance, these are the words of the Lord, not the words of Eric Hansen. So when you're presented with how your life does not line up with the word, you have one of two paths to take. You can say, I know better I'll get right later. It's not that big a deal. Everyone else is doing it. No one will ever find out. All of which are, are, you're deluding yourself. You're psychologically lying to yourself. So you can feel good momentarily. Because sin does have a pleasure for a season. I mean, it tastes sweet in the mouth, the, the proverb says, but turns to rocks in your stomach. Or... You can be, oh my gosh, I'm so convicted. It's a good thing to be convicted. That proves that you're a child of God. So, whoa, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. I don't have the right to tell that to another child at Walmart checkout, although I'd like to about 90% of the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but your child, hey, that's my child. I have the right to say, hey, listen, put that thing back, pick that thing up at the floor. We don't throw that down on the floor. 
right? So I'm con- there's a conviction. The conviction is, I don't know if you know this about the court system, you know, you get convicted and then there's a sentencing after the conviction, right? That's the wrath or the forbearance and kindness. So I've convicted you, young lady, young man, your, your son, your daughter. I've convicted you. I've seen where your behavior does not line up. So you're convicted. At that moment, you can either repent and go, I am so sorry. I, gosh, forgive me. And then there is the loving kindness and, per, and forbearance of your heavenly father. Or you can go, who do you think you are? Telling me not to be throwing that gum wrapper on the floor. And you say what? Come here, you little twit. I'm going to wipe that smile right off your face. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. I made, one, I made you. I'll take you out, make another one just like you, or however that saying goes, you know? What is that? That's what? Say wrath. This is how it works. So when you get convicted, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that to my, that was really harsh. Oh, then you go and you say, What? I've been convicted. I said something I shouldn't have said. Would you please forgive me? And then whether or not they forgive you, that's on them. That's on them. They'll say, no, you're no good. You're that. Well, it doesn't matter. They can't interdict the goodness of God in your life. They can't cut it off. Because you listen, I got convicted. That wasn't the right thing for me to say. I acted inappropriately. Please forgive me. Well, then how come everybody that's in jail doesn't get out? If there's forgiveness like that, we have to understand there's moral law and there's heavenly law right? The, the judgment is coming. You, th- you think these people that are doing crazy are going to get off scot-free? No, everyone stands before the judgment seat. We're going to stand there. And your entire life, all of your acts, because we're saved by grace, judged by our works, everything will be on the big LED screen, your entire life. All the stuff you did, all the stuff you should have done but didn't do, all the things you thought that were evil and wicked, all the... You think, you know, if I, you know, some people have this idea. Well, I'll get saved because I, I do more good things than bad things. Really? Really? Do you think you do more good things than bad things? Let's just follow you around for a week or two. And start with how you speed. You're going to get off? You think you're going to get off Scott? I don't think so. That's not how it works. So the Lord's saying it gets revealed to you. You got this stubborn thing in you and you make excuses and I'm including myself. I'm not one of these finger wagging preachers. I I understand there's three fingers pointing back at me, but we make excuses. Can, Can we, I was wrong. Well, the reason I, you know, have you ever argued with someone that has to get the last word in? Maybe it's you arguing with God. And he says, that's wrong. You go, but, 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 there's no buts there. Not allowed. All right. So Matthew 7, 2, a little ancillary information. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Golly, I wish that wasn't in there. But it is. There it is. The way that you are harsh with other people, the way that you judge other people, the way that you stand in some sort of self-righteous indignation over the way they do something because you do it better or you have the standard and you think they should do it that way, all you're doing is magnifying your self-righteousness. I know the right way. You don't. You're stupid. I told you it was all about us this week, right? So in Luke 18, 
Verse number nine, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray and one was a Pharisee. Everybody go boo, right? And the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up, prayed about, who did he pray about? Prayed about himself. Oh, I thank God I'm not like those other men, those robbers, those evildoers. This is last week's, this is last week's text. I'm so glad I'm not like all of them right? I'm so glad I'm not the adulterer or even like that nasty tax collector over there. Verse 12, and I face twice a week, I give a tenth of all that I, I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all that I get. But then that tax collector, he stood at a distance and he wouldn't even lift up his head to heaven and he beat his chest and he said, oh God, have mercy on me because I'm living my best life and I'm trying, no, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner because I'm a sinner. And and Jesus said, I tell you that this man, meaning the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, he went home justified, just as if he'd never sinned right before God for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Well, that's great, pastor. That's a parable. Okay, let's go from parabolic to the real deal in John eight, real life event. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts and there were a bunch of people gathered around him. They sat down to teach him. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman's caught in the act of adultery. How did they actually find her in the act of adultery? I'm not quite sure. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Well, they understand. I don't know if you understand the the legalities of the event that's happening. Israel is under Roman occupation. Romans said, you guys can live your little religious life all you want, but you, you, you cannot supersede the authority of Rome. And Rome is the only authority that has the power of execution. So now the Pharisees, these really religious people, bring this woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they say, the law, our law, the religious law says we need to stone her to death. What do you say? Because if he says stone her to death, now he's preaching against the Roman occupation and he's got himself in trouble. You understand the quandary that he's put in right here? I love how smart he is. What do you say? In the law, verse six, they were using this question to trap him in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down. He started writing on the ground with his finger what he wrote. We don't know. I know that movies will tell you what he wrote. People will speculate what he wrote. You might even have an idea what he wrote, but you don't know. And I don't know. Those are all arguments from silence. Verse seven, when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. First, the older ones, little insight, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Well, no one, sir, she said, and neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. We look at other people, gosh, they got so much junk in their life. They are so sin-ridden. In this bag of, of rice, someone reaches into your life, into their life, and what gets exposed Mouse droppings. I'm not talking about the local restaurant having health problems. <laughs> but I am talking about 
what we put on at the outside being filled with mouse droppings on the inside. You get drug out or you expose yourself in a situation and then you say, I'm, I'm going I'm to expose my heart here a little bit and tell them what I'm thinking, what I'm going through. And instead of compassion, you get judgment in return and you get condemnation. And Jesus said it. Well, you, you, you may find mouse droppings, but you've got this in your life. And you got this in your life. And what's this I see in your life? Jesus said it like this. Why are you going around trying to get the splinter out of somebody else's eye when you got a log in front of your own? And when I thought about that, it had everything to do with these little mouse droppings that we see in other people's lives. And we go, oh, that's just horrible. Look at that. Look at the way that they act. Look at the way that they talk. Look at what's going on in their life. And you sit in some sort of self-righteous judgment over them. And all the while, the Lord says, well, I think this is really what's going on in your life. This is what's in your life. So why don't you zip it? Why don't you show a little kindness? Why don't you show a little grace? Why don't you show a little mercy? Because I see your heart. I see what's going on in your mind. You strain for gnats, but you swallow the camel. To those, verse 7, who by persistence in doing good see glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Remember, salvation by faith, judgment cut by works. Verse eight, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and they follow their evil unrepentiveness, there will be wrath. And remember last week, I sang part of the battle hymn of the Republic for you because of this verse. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage, the, the wine, He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. What's God doing in heaven right now? Oh, he's, he's there and the angels are, no. I think every Thursday afternoon he goes over there and he tramples out some grapes, metaphorically. There's a righteous and a holy ju judge and we will all stand right there and we will face judgment and we may have been able to skirt the issue here. We may have been able to lie and connive. And it may even been legal for you to do it. But God says, no, you're absolutely free to do anything you want. I'm not going to control you. You can go do and be anything you want. But there's coming a day when we'll all face justice. His truth is marching on. 
So at the end of time, Revelation chapter 14, the angel swung a sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great, get it, wine press of God's wrath. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the Lord. I mean, we love a loving God. Oh, how he loves me. But in love is righteousness. In love, in love is everything perfect. And everything he does is perfect, including the justice that he meets out is perfect. He's just. And it was hard. Charlie, we talked about it after service last week. God doesn't send sins to hell. Sinners go to hell. We have this idea that, oh, you know, yes, we try to love the sinner, hate the sin, but that's not God's economy because sins don't go to hell. People end up in hell because they they aren't repentive. They aren't repentive. And if you think, well, there's no hell, well, then you have no right believing in heaven. You don't get to pick and choose. I know, in, I know in a society, I know in a community, I know in families where, oh, let's just talk it through and then, and, and I'm not gonna, there's, no, there is punishment. There are things that happen to bad people. And newsflash, according to the righteousness of God, we are all wretched. Hallelujah. <laughs> because that makes me a candidate for the good news. If I'll accept what he did for me. So we keep reading, verse nine. There'll be trouble, there'll be distress for every human being who does evil. First of the Jews and Gentiles, nobody's gonna get off. Those words trouble, distress actually means pressure like a wine press, which is what we just referred to. Anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble, calamity and great distress. Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, everyone, no escape. Verse 10, but however, however, there is glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first of the Jew, then the Gentile. Salvation by faith, judgment by according to works. This is, this, is the, this is the context on which he's talking about these good works, not by salvation, by, but by judgment. Understand that. Salvation uh, is by grace alone, through faith. But there are benefits to being good. Peace. He just said it, an honor. You do the right thing, somebody might actually honor you for that. Verse 11, God does not show favoritism. Please underline that verse. God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. Colossians 3.25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There is no favoritism. Now, listen, um, um, I like Misty Edwards. You know the singer, Misty Edwards? She sings a song, Jesus, uh, I am your favorite one. How's that go? Well, here's the deal. It's not biblical. You're not his favorite. Sorry. It makes, makes, a, good, makes a good chorus, makes you feel good about yourself, puts you at the center of everything. How about Jesus? You're the favorite one of my life. I'm not bashing Misty Edwards, but whenever you sing a song, please understand the theology behind what you're singing. I'm not his favorite one. It says right here, he shows no favorites. Eric Hansen, T.D. Jakes, same plane. 
Eric Hansen, R.C. Sproul. Eric Hansen, Rod Parsley, Joey, right there. I'm right there with Rod Parsley. <laughs> right? There are no favorites. Nobody cuts in line. Nobody rolls up in the big SUV, black SUV no, in heaven. No, no, no. We all came into this world naked with nothing. And that's how we're going out. We'll all stand, everyone, big and small, great and insignificant in the eyes of the world. We'll stand before him as the judge. Well, he preached to thousands or they had a multi-million dollar ministry or they did this and God, surely Billy Graham, surely uh, Charles Stanley, surely Andy Stanley, surely, no, 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 no. Boop, 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 boop. My, life, my wife likes to say it like this. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. Now, you are chosen. You are a chosen generation, First Peter. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, but there are no favorites. No favorites. I like that. You know why? Because I know what I am. Now, if I think more highly of myself than I should, I'd be like, yeah, God should have favorites because I'm really good. <laughs> but if you're the kid in high school gym class, who was unathletic, who had, as we used to say, uh, Coke bottle bottom glasses. Is that even a thing anymore? I don't know. Uh, you're you, ill-fitting shoe. Your hair was all, and you stank, you stunk, and, and you're just that kid in high school. And then you lined up in gym class for picking teams for whatever, basketball, volleyball, dodgeball. Of course, that's, you can't play dodgeball anymore because people get hurt playing dodgeball. And, and it's just too, it's too, it's too aggressive. Dodgeball is too aggressive. So, so, but when you line everybody up, sorry for my social commentary, but when you line everybody up and, and then, then, the, then the coach, the PE teacher, generally picks the two most athletic people the two jocks or the jockette, and they say, okay, pick teams. And then you're, do they even do this anymore? I guess it, it was merely demeaning. Was it not demeaning almost? And then you were the what? The, you were. <laughs> not, not you, of course. No, someone else was. But did we even really care how the, the last one in high school? I don't think we even really cared how the last person picked felt. I don't know. I like that heaven's not like that. I like the fact that Jesus actually says to all those people that are used to being first, he says, step aside. Where's the ones that used to be last all the time? I got to find them. Where are they? You guys, the last will be first. He says, I want you guys to come up here. Are you kidding me? That's who I serve. You know who those people are? They're people who realize that the only way they got into heaven is by the grace of God, not their good works, not their good, not their, their acumen for language or money or any of that. No, they didn't connive. They didn't, no, they just, I, I'm, I am so lost. If I didn't have Jesus, I couldn't even be here. Those are the people, Jesus says, come on up here, come on do you think Jesus would have any time if he walked in this room today and stood down here for anyone that acted self-righteous at all? 
<laughs> I don't think so. He might be polite and give you a, a courteous handshake, but keep walking right past the Pharisees that he used to walk past to find the woman with the issue of blood, to find the woman caught in adultery, to find the tax collector in a parable who says, I'm just a sinner. Jesus, ooh, he knows. He's in the temple, he's praying. He's figured out he can do this himself. God, verse 11, God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's... Wait a second, that shouldn't be there either. Because I go to church every Sunday, and I listen to sermons all the time. And I pray, and I read my Bible, and I'm coming to worship night, and I take communion. He doesn't care! That's not the top of the list for him. It's not those who hear the law that are righteous in God's sight, but those who actually obey the law. Those are the ones who will be declared righteous. Wow. But, 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 but pastor, we can't obey the law. <laughs> right, right, right. The law only convicts. This is why we need Jesus. That's why the entire Old Testament is there. It just reminds you how horrible you are that you can't keep any of those rules. But every once in a while, a prophet comes along and says, for unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty, and Everlasting, the government, and it will whoa, that, okay, Back to the law, back to the law. Can't keep the law, so you gotta have a scapegoat. You gotta have the lamb, you gotta have the sacrifice. You buy your two doves, you go to the temple, you continually cover your sin in blood. But there's coming a spotless lamb whose sin, you will take your sin away. His blood takes your sin away. That's what the Old Testament is all about. As hard as you try to keep the law, you'll never be able to keep the law. The law only convicts you. Right? The policeman who pulls you over isn't pulling you over because you're doing the speed limit to give you a lollipop. Newsflash, right? The law is there to convict you. You're doing something wrong. No one goes to the court because they did something right. They're getting acclimated, a, 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 a claim. They're getting acclamation for it. No. You get hauled in to the bar of justice because you broke the law in the natural sense. <clears throat> so if Jesus fulfilled the law, why do we need to teach this stuff like this anymore? What happened to the ooey-gooey, lovey-dovey Jesus that it's all good and great? Yeah, he is this. He is all freedom. And I'm telling you, he is that. But you want revival in your life? It comes when you get serious about God because you know the judgment day is coming. And it could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. He's coming again. I know you don't, that's not a popular message today. Last week I read you a scripture out of Matthew 5 on the fly and I want to put it on the screen. Um, do not think that I've come to abolish the law. Remember this? The law, all of this, all of this is still intact. So, so all this Old Testament, all the law, it's still intact. Don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've 
I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So what he did is he didn't do away with it. He just said, I'll fulfill it. Keep reading. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest letter, not even the least the stroke of a pen, or by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. It's all going to get done. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices, yes, and teaches, that's what's happening right now. I'm not doing a, a series on the Ten Commandments. I'm just reminding you that there are things that are right and things that are wrong, and it doesn't have to do with social, whether the, whether the state of Illinois or Governor Pritzker or anybody else says it's the right thing to do. I, I, I do care about those things, but on the level of caring, they're much below what God has to say on the matter. This is where you have to be. It's where you have to be. Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's why P Pastor Miles teaching the catechism in, in youth group. I mean, listen, I was raised mainline denomination, whether you were Catholic or Lutheran or whatever, you had some parochial, you had some, you had some education in the Bible. We've got, we've got adults today that don't know what they should know. You know why? Because a lot of times you don't want to know And then people that stand up and say, that's a wrong behavior, they shoot the messenger. And so because I'm more concerned about keeping butts in the pews, preachers in general, I'm not going to address these issues. And then therefore their blood will be at my hands. I can't, I can't go there. You have to know the truth. Why? Because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free rather than ditching and dodging and trying to be your own God. Verse 14, we're about done. This is a, just, these two verses, 14 and 15, is just a parenthetical thought that he has. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, oh, that's interesting, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the re requirements of the law are written on our hearts. Wait a second. We talked about this last week. The heavens declare the glory. The trees of the field right now, yesterday with the wind, the trees of the field clap their hands. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, even if you don't know that there's a God, you know there's a God. And remember, we said there's no such thing as an atheist. What, atheists are really their own God. So their consciousness also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and are at times even defending them. This will take place on the day. What's the day? When God judges people's secrets. When God judges people's secrets. The Greek word is kryptos, as in cryptology, secrets. The crypt. On that day, on that judgment day, every private thought, every inwardly, inwardly thought, every hidden, every secret that you have will be laid bare. That's a sobering thought, man. Sobering thought. That's what brings us to prayer. That's what brings us to repentance. Why would anyone ever have a repentant heart if all we sang about and all we talked about was, 
He loves me. He is jealous for me. I'm his favorite one. Yes, uh, yes, yes. God is amazing. He loves you. And, and his patience is a sign of his love. But there's coming a day when his judgment will come. Back to slide number one or whatever it was. The conviction of sin. You either go, oh, no. I screwed up, please forgive me, and then there's his loving kindness. Or you go, no, who do you think you are? There is no God. You thumb your nose at God. Look at this golden calf that I built. This is what I've worshipped. I've worshipped my body or my cars or my 401k or my retirement or my house or my family or my job or my kids or my wife. I worship all that stuff. And I got time for God. Though he woke you up every day and gave you breath to breathe, clothed you with a reasonable portion of your mind, some strength, gave you the ability to get off your backside and go earn a living. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> we about done? Yeah. Hebrews 4, 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden. Let that sink in for a second. He sees it all. He sees it all. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. Don't be this person. Look at them over there. Look at them over there. I can't believe it. Look at them over there. I can't believe it. Woe is me. Ah, uh, I got some, I got some, I got some mouse droppings in my life. So I hang my head, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I don't want to do that anymore. And even in your own strength, listen, even in your own strength, you can't do it. Well, if I had just more willpower, well, you'd be a very good sinner then. <laughs> if I was just smarter and had more intellect, well, then you'd be a very smart sinner with a very strong intellect. You cannot be righteous enough not to have mouse turds in your life. He's, the devil's running around your mind right now, some of you. He dropped a whole bunch of junk in your mind last night, last week. See, I can, I can take that, I can take those and I can cover them up I can cover them up, but eventually they're going to come right back, right? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, and we're going to worship because we've got another 10 minutes or so. We planned it this way because I really enjoyed last week. And we're going to have a great time in worship tonight. But this is going to be an opportunity for each of us to do a little introspection. Listen, if anybody doesn't have a little propensity for some self-righteousness, then you're just fooling yourself. You're just fooling yourself. This is why we're so judgmental. Hannah posted a devotional on the women's page, I think it was yesterday, they talked about when a parent goes into their teenager's room and then 
just climbs up one side down the, the teenager down the other about how dirty your room is and I'd never keep a room like that and this is disgusting and you're just a, and is the child thinking, wow, my mom is really helping me be a better person right now or, or should the mom come to a place of, of understanding, giving parental advice, loving the child but yet also keeping the standard? Which of those is gonna be the better result? This is what God does for you and me. He comes into our life this morning and he's not railing on you. Hopefully you don't feel like I've railed on you or that he's just some angry preacher. I am not an angry preacher. I actually am a very happy preacher. But you, I'm happy because I know what I've been forgiven of. Right? I've, I've been released. Doesn't mean I don't fall back into some sort of, I don't do that, therefore you shouldn't do that routine. Doesn't mean that I don't occasionally point out the, the mouse droppings in somebody else's life. But the question is when I get convicted about that, what do I do about that? Do I go, oh, everybody does it? Or do I go, man, that's not right. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. That's not right. And whether that's to an individual or whether that's to the Heavenly Father. Last thing. Why would I even have to confess my sin to God if He already knows everything? If he already knows everything, why do I have to confess my sin? Well, when you come home from work late at night and your spouse and someone else are embracing in the window, the bedroom window, they don't know. So you run in the house, you run upstairs and you confront your spouse. Hey, what's going on up here? Oh, there's nobody here. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. They slipped out the window or they're hiding under the bed or whatever. They got away. That, that's a troublesome situation. And there's no, there's no coming together after that. Listen, she knows, she knows she sinned. He knows she sinned. And the other person, they all know. And, and you pull it, you know, but there can't be reconciliation until there's a confession of, man, I, I messed up. Would you forgive me? God says, I've known it all along, Right? So we go to God and we go, God, I said this, I did this, I went there, I whatever. And God's, God isn't surprised. But he's thankful that you'll not stand judgment for that anymore. He forgets it. As far as the east is from the west, so your transgressions have been removed from you. And though your sins might be scarlet, red, they will be washed white as wool because of the goodness of God. That's the good news. So if you're living in sin, if you're living in this perpetual, this cyclical, cyclical I've screwed up, I've had a, listen, stop trying to do it yourself. Say, God, I need you to help me do this. Because if you're trusting in your own strength, you're going to fall. It's your strength plus his strength. That's what you need. Stand with me, please. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.